Hello and welcome to StratHack, a new podcast series that aims to dig deep into the art of strategy and decision making, hosted by me, Sarah Holland, and me, Amelia Tarode. We're the two founders of the Thornbreak Collective, an award-winning brand consultancy based in London, but working all over the world. In each episode, we lift the lid on a company or individual who inspires us, talking with them about the decisions they've made and the strategic process they've gone through to achieve success. Then we identify and highlight the key brand lessons and marketing learnings which we believe will be applicable to businesses anywhere. Before asking ourselves and you the really tough question, so what are we now going to do differently? In today's episode, we're talking reinventing book clubs for the 21st century and reinventing the live events and communities that surround them for the time of covid with co-founder of Rebel Book Club, Ben Saul Garner. Joining us today on StratHack is the infuriatingly accomplished and talented Ben Saul Garner. Ben's a serial entrepreneur whose businesses have been featured by the likes of GQ, The Guardian, Tatler, Condé Nast, BBC News, Time Out, Forbes and The Evening Standard. Culture and Entertainment Agency Attachment was featured in the 2020 and 2021 Financial Times 1,000 Fastest Growing Companies in Europe. Prior to these ventures, Ben worked at VCCP, with Amelia, I should add, and sat on the Chime PLC Youth Board, driving change across the group's portfolio of 54 companies. But having recently become a father, it's his other baby we've asked him here to talk to us about today. Rebel Book Club, who in the face of all that the last 18 months has thrown at us, recently closed a successful funding round and has started building a team to continue scaling internationally. Welcome, Ben. Hello. Nice to see you guys. (laughs) Nice to see you too, Ben. Been a um, while. Sarah, Sarah reminding us about those days back at uh, at VCCP and the Chime Youth Board as well. That was funny. I'd almost forgotten about that. Yeah, fond memories, good times. So Ben, I was going to start. Talk to us. A rebel book club. What's a rebel book club, and why does the world need a rebel book club? Well, the world needs this. I guess to be honest, it was kind of born out of our own pain point where we didn't feel like there was a book club that met our needs and we had a little look for it, didn't exist. So we just started one. And I think the what makes us perhaps a bit different from other book clubs without without throwing shade on book clubs. They've been around for hundreds of years and, and long may they continue. I guess it's just the the framing of what we do. So the type of books that we read, the type of people that we attract, the environment we create, and really having a focus on the end product being tangible action and actually coming into something and then going away and doing something. So can you talk to us a little bit about how how Rebel Book Club works, what what it, what it does, what the premise of the book club is? Yeah, of course. Uh, pretty straightforward, to be honest. So every month we create a theme often kind of crowdsourced from within the community. The community then votes on one of three books which they'd like to read. The winner is then distributed with a couple of clicks. And we then host meetups, which have been virtual for a little while, but we're easing back into in real life now, which is exciting. And then, yeah, we kind of host these micro meetups all over the country and Europe where people come together, have a drink, talk about the book and have a nice time. And Ben, you said at the beginning, you said it was it was change happens at the end. So it, it sort of it's a book club but with a purpose that goes one step more practical than just reading. So can you, can you help explain what, what you mean by that? Of course. I think it's probably the focus on a growth mindset and actually the framing of the conversations. I think probably any book we could go in and interrogate it and not, not every book we're necessarily going to connect with, but I think we feel like there's always some value within a book or a theme that we can pull out and then hopefully 
just incrementally like make ourselves that one percent or a little bit better after we've read it or take something new or worst case we've just got some good chat right on a load of different topics because we've read the book a month consistently for a long time i remember you told me once ben that were you kayaking in sweden and you were having a chat and you both realized that that you had a pile of books by your bed that you were very, very well intentioned but you actually never finished any of them and kind of rebel book club was away to help you actually finish some books is, is that right yeah i mean we've we've kind of ended up taking it and and the format to some fun places so we, we've been to the swedish archipelago which is cool we've been to the sahara desert in morocco which was awesome but i guess where, where it really stemmed back from was actually in bali which was 76 months ago which i only know because we've read a book a month since um I can't, I can't tell you the date but basically yeah met, met another guy called ben out there we had the same problem uh, the japanese actually have a term for it it's called sondoku which means a never-ending pile of unread books we were definitely very guilty of this both had kindles with the same reading list often about 20 to 30 percent complete and just yeah really felt like actually if we sat down together shared notes talked about something one we'd have the accountability to finish it and two we could have a really interesting conversation perhaps just two of us or actually ended up being a nice little group and just just grew from there really i wanted to pick up on full disclosure to all who are listening um i am a i'm a member of rebel Ooh. club but i yeah but i joined so i joined last year during lockdown for all of the obvious reasons and i want to actually ask you i've experienced things only ever virtually and only quite recently can you take us back to the beginning a little bit and just kind of some of that genesis and in particular what was that moment? Because we've all got that pile of books by the side of our beds, but they're a mix normally, fiction, non-fiction. And you've been really clear since day one that this is non-fiction. It's about personal growth and discussion and community and collaboration. It's not It's not about a fiction-based journey. Just can you take us back to kind of that moment and those some of those early days? Yeah, of course. So I guess that the pilot event sort of happened within 10 minutes on the spot of the idea. And we just we just felt like would love to talk about these kind of books with these kind of people was in a, a co-working space at the time in Ubud in Indonesia and said, we're going to talk about a book in a few weeks time. Anyone fancy joining us? And off the bat, there were six, seven curious people who said yes. We then that evening went and found a venue, spoke to the venue, said any chance you could make a cocktail based on this book? And they were like, yeah, we could probably whip something up. So we did that. And yeah, immediately it kind of attracted the kind of people, especially I think knowing I was coming back to the UK a few weeks later, I was like, I'm going to miss this, where you can just throw a random idea out into the ether and six or seven completely different people, all with a shared interest to some degree, will happily come together, say yes to something. And yeah, so that, that first event kind of validated, it wasn't a business, it was just let's come together and have a chat. And I think immediately off the back of that, the feedback was quite positive. A good test is whether you'd want to do it again personally. We definitely did. And kind of felt at that point, perhaps there is a, a business model here. The goal is not ever to make money, but how do we do something that's sustainable and keeps us accountable? And then we just asked those people, is this something you would pay for back back in your home city? And they all said yes. So we said, cool, let's, let's give it a go. How did you go about finding? Because I think one of the things that's unique is, is the shared mindset. Mm. How did you go about, because I imagine within that, bar type environment in Bali you had people who were pretty open to different experiences meeting new people and having a conversation how did you go about kind of replicating that and scaling it when you came back to the UK was it all word of mouth did you promote it how did you kind of find that community because that is such a that's such a core part of what Rebel Book Club is yeah totally I think the the initial thinking and mindset 
going into any sort of community growth or venture is that minimum viable customer and actually thinking about who are the people who would think like we do, who would love this, not who thinks this is an okay idea, who would love this, who are the people that devour these kind of books, listen to these kind of podcasts, watch the same kind of documentaries as us. They're out there for sure. And in a city like London, I'm sure there's plenty of them. So how do we really talk to that audience? And let's not worry too much about anyone else. And even initially, we were Kindle only as well. So it was super, it was like, you've got to love nonfiction. You've got to own a Kindle. And this is how it's going to work. And it was only after months of people saying, we adore paperback. Please, can we join? We, we kind of pivoted from there. So I think it was about yeah speaking to that audience. And I'm a firm believer of you can write a beautiful marketing strategy, but if you just create something that people want to tell their friends about, that is the best marketing plan when you're starting something from the ground up. And yeah, we just wanted to give the people that loved it a great experience and, and hopefully they'll go and do a lot, a lot of the talking for us. And we kind of found those, those great people and those super fans pretty early who yeah, immediately went and told people or tweeted about it or forward it via email to someone else in their workplace. And you kind of, I felt like we wanted to create something where immediately you go, ah, I know two or three people who this would be really good for. And that was it. And, and from there, it's just been really, really organic growth. And it was for four and a half, five years, month on month until the pandemic where we had to switch up a few things. But yeah, it's just spread really, really neatly off the back of that. Should we talk then about the pandemic? Because one of the things that I've always found fascinating about Rebel Book Club is the way that it felt like a real experience itself from people who, who went pre-pandemic, it was really fun, whether it was the themed drinks or I think people, some people dressed up. It, it was struck me as it kind of, you know, it's the, kind of the secret cinema of book clubs that it became a really fun experience. So COVID, COVID happened. What did you do? You know, you're, you're a club which is all about the experience and the moment. What, 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 did, what did you do? Yeah, COVID happened to us all, right? Uh, I, th I think for us, it was about speed. We had a community who were expecting experiences. We'd, we'd very much signed up and signed them up to deliver experiences. We have a very simple format, which is consume the book, which is distributed and then, and then come together to talk about it. So it's just that latter part that we had to fix, really. And very quickly, we just went out and, and did some digging as to how can we possibly replicate what's great about what we do in person and try and bring that into a digital world? And this was when people were, it was even too early in the pandemic to talk about Zoom fatigue or anything like that. It was all brand new. And we very quickly tested a number of platforms, found one called Hopin, which has now gone on to no one. I think we were first hundred customers at Hopin. It's just now like unicorn status. It's, it's crazy. They've been on an amazing journey. And just lent into that platform really and sort of took what was magical and, and unique about what we did and just tried to translate that into a, a digital world. And we had Rich Al, mixologist doing cocktails from your cupboard where you'd like open your cupboard and it'd randomly come up with something you could do. We lent in a lot to guest speakers as well. It was pretty good. Authors were sat at home twiddling their thumbs wherever they were in the world. We didn't need to invite them to London. So we got really good sort of conversion into authors joining. And that was after we'd read the book. We are just like, hey, do you want to come and chat to the community we've bought? 900, 1,000 books, like it'd be great. You don't need to pitch the book. Everyone's read it. We're super engaged. Just come and have a chat. And so had some really nice results there. But yeah, for, for us, it was just about how do you you replicate what's good in real life and take that virtual, which granted is a tough challenge. And I think we've all probably seen our fair share of the good, the bad and the ugly virtual events over the last 18 months. But I feel like we did, we did a good job to move quickly, took feedback on board really quickly and have 
yeah, kept it rolling for a while and have, have managed to keep a community engaged, which has been great. It must have grown a lot internationally because suddenly you've got, you can be anywhere in the world and participate in a Rebel Book Club event. Yeah, that was the upside for us where previously it all been about having a small number of people in a city to kind of kick it off and, and warrant hosting something physical there. And prior to the pandemic, we were just kind of gearing up to really go a bit harder and scale the cities and locations and had hosts lined up and a bit like the So Far Sounds kind of model. And then the pandemic happened and we just had to make a quick decision about what the proposition was. And we thought there was something that could work nicely digital first. And we put it out there and all those people for years that had been saying, I'm in Costa Rica, I'm in Argentina, I, I'm in America, I, re I really want to join, but you haven't got anything for me we could finally serve to some extent. And yeah, it was awesome. At the start of every virtual meetup, we'd say, let us know in, in the chat where you are. And it would just be like a flood of it. It wasn't just like London, London, London. It was people from all over the place in different time zones. And it was it was really cool to see. And it, it felt more global than it ever has. Just on the um, on the host point, actually, one of the things that's that feels unique is how committed and how engaged the community is. So how you will get people, whether that's your little nudges of, you should be at page 247 by today if you're going to make the event, those little kind of behavioural nudges or people just kind of posting, sharing. Did you read this bit yet? What did you think? And because it's nonfiction as well, you kind of have this is a different kind of discussion. Have you noticed, is the community more engaged now since the last kind of 18 months? And have you kind of noticed a sense of people kind of stepping into this a little bit more because people were so desperate for that connection and conversation has that changed at all i think in all honesty it's a bit of both and, and it depends on the person we had an initial challenging few months where people who loved the in real life experience couldn't get that suddenly people were losing jobs people were going on furlough you naturally would look at your your bank statement and go what are the do i need spotify premium do i need this do i need that so we for the first time ever we saw a dip in the numbers which was pretty scary to be honest given we just sort of start to build a team and, and take it a little bit more seriously. But I think as, as time's gone on, yeah, you, you just realize who, and it varies person to person, right? So it depends, and it varies month to month as well. There might be a theme that you absolutely hits you at the right time and it's the right book and you really lean in and engage and go far deeper and kind of read beyond the book and watch things beyond the book itself. And there's others where it's a bit more casual and perhaps you just want to connect with someone new and you haven't had that kind of serendipitous crossing of paths with someone who you don't know where there's some kind of common interest and there's not an awkward conversation to be had and we launched things like the rebel coffees which was just such a simple idea of let's match two people with some kind of common thread and stick them in a virtual room and, and let them have a chat and they're intended to be like a few 30 minute conversations to connect the community people would be on them for six hours and like I've met so many people I would never have crossed paths with and had the most interesting conversations that start with books because that's our common interest but go off onto the wildest of tangents and I think yeah it depends some people want a real specific learning experience others just want to connect with some interesting people beyond their work colleagues they've seen on zoom and all their housemates or whoever they've been around so it's really different things for different people but I do feel like we've got a good foundational committed bunch of amazing people who've been there for a few years now who kind of set the tone and and others will lean in and lean out and yes yes it's great to see and I think for me personally it's been something I've really looked forward to each month throughout the pandemic and just just seeing new faces and new people where yeah we're not at a networking event where it's something which we both enjoy and it's just easy to to grow from there testament to how you've built the brand sounds obvious but you have 
invested in those moments, you've invested in the community. It feels much more like a movement than a business. There's definitely feels like that alignment and you've worked quite hard to define. It's not a regular theme, but everyone knows the rules and you've got flex within that. You know how you can kind of pull it and push it, but there's still enough kind of autonomy of the community being able to vote every month, for example, on the books, but it's still within that cluster. I actually love the like the rogue people who then go off and go, well, I've read all three. I'm going to read all three, yeah. even though it's the one that's kind of in there. And so you kind of all of that people know how they can take it and flex with it themselves. But you still it's still very clear what Rebel Book Club is. Do you feel that? Yeah, totally. Because for me, probably 80 percent of the books are not the ones I would walk into Waterstones and pick up naturally. I'm like that classic personal development, nonfiction geek all the obvious titles, that's not really what we read month by month. There'll be one or two a year that, that kind of lean into that, perhaps. But generally, the, the themes are so broad, and you would have seen over the last few months. And, and it takes people two, three books to get into that mindset and get over the, oh, I don't know if I'd normally read this. Once you get into it and realize, actually, I can learn something, I can have a really interesting conversation, and I can take some value moving forward, you begin to relish. And this is what Rebel Book Club is really about, is almost relishing the unknown and saying, I'm a curious person. I want to think about things. I want to do things. I'm going to come into this with a really open mind, have a, some interesting conversations and learn some things that perhaps I wouldn't have otherwise. And, and let's see where it goes. And once we get someone's mentality there, which we, based on experience, takes about three books, they stick around, they lean in, they go deeper, they attend things, they engage, they show up. And that, and that for us is where the magic really happens. And then before you know it, you're having an epiphany reading a book about maths. Exactly. <laughs> which, which, just like that. Yeah, just like that. Just like that. Where next? The interesting challenge now is, is, is fingers crossed, as, as things begin to ease back into some sense of normality, we've now got a, a fun challenge to tackle, whereby we have people in the cities who used to operate in who would love to get back to in real life. And we also have this new global virtual community who have quite enjoyed logging on once a month or the various other touch points throughout the month. So we're kind of, we've done one mini in real life uh, meetup across a few different um, locations and cities last month, which happened to be on the day England were in the semi-final, but actually a lot of people still sh showed up, which was amazing. So we've got another one next Tuesday where we've got sort of locations capped at about 50 capacity, COVID secure, all, all of the usual fun. The Bristolians hosted something in a park last time, which was cool. So I think we're just going to see how it goes for a bit. But the, the challenge is hybrid and how we nail this virtual proposition and make sure those people are getting all the value they expect. But also, how do we keep bringing people back together once they've reached the point of being comfortable with that? And I think the people that have are really craving that. People want to go out, experience things, meet new people, have face-to-face -face conversations. So for us, it's just about how we facilitate both. And then kind of outside of the the standard um, model of what we do, we started doing a bit more work with brands recently, which has been really interesting. So we did a campaign with Audible. We've done a few bits with Samsung. Yeah, and there's just been some really kind of other nice bits that we've been able to tap into using our community and creation and relationships with authors. So we've got we've got some fun stuff ahead, but it's more of the same. Let's get the hybrid stuff right. Let's make sure people are happy. Let's get gather as much feedback as we can, as quickly as we can, and find a model that's sustainable based on where the world is currently at and each month we'll we'll see where the world's at next and and we'll adapt and, and create something and just continue to deliver the basics which is a book and an experience and it is the aim of rebel book club 
I mean, it, it's a commercial proposition. Are you, are you out there to make it make money or just to wash its face and break even? What you know, you talked about partnerships with brands. I imagine that publishing houses must love you guys. I mean, what's the commercial model behind the book club? Initially, I think it's important to say it never was a commercial endeavor. And I, I like to think we would have still been doing it for free because we love it and we want to do this and want to connect with people. Over the years, it kind of became apparent that there was something in this and it would be a shame not to give it a little bit more attention. So by no means have we gone out and raised millions of pounds uh, and gone completely well. We've tried to keep it as organic as possible. We did a crowdfund about a year and a half ago, which gave us a bit more firepower. So other Ben Keen now works full-time at Rebel Book Club. We have two amazing freelancers, Emily and Anka, who have really stepped up the member experience. And I think for us, the future is continuing to scale the consumer-facing model and making that the most exciting nonfiction book club on the planet. Beyond that, it's still there to be shaped, to be honest. And these are some of the fun conversations we're having at the moment. I think we'd be doing a disservice to the to the community that that committed to the crowdfund to to pretend we don't want to run a profitable business at scale one day perhaps there's some kind of exit there i think in all transparency that that would be the plan but in the meantime we're loving it. we're having a great time and i think even if we sold that business we'd still be there every month front and center probably like less in the limelight and needing to host and more just chilling out chat chatting to people at the bar but yeah we're, we're here for the long haul regardless but for sure we want to make sure it's sustainable and for that to happen it needs to be profitable Ben, thank you so much for, for, for spending time with us today. I really appreciate it. I know that Sarah's been a member. And actually, I'm really ashamed, which is I haven't been a member. I'm but really as you were talking, I'm like, why haven't I? This is amazing. And I also have a pile of books on my bed by my bed that I haven't finished. And it was interesting when you talked about the sort of in real life versus virtual. And I think for me, you know, I've got two kids. I've got a business. It's quite hard for me. To, to go and spend a night somewhere, but actually to log in from a room, I could really see the benefits. So I'm, I'm going to be signing up. So my question to you is for, for people listening in today, how do they find out more, more information? Where do they sign up? Do you have an Instagram? Where, where, where can they find the books? Where, where can they find out more? Firstly, thank you. Welcome aboard in advance. Um, you can find us in all the usual places, to be honest. Get rebelbook.club online, at rebelbookclub on Instagram. Give us a Google, you'll see you'll see plenty of stuff there. So yeah, hopefully we're pretty easy to find. The website, you can view our whole historic library as well. So the previous 76 books, so check that out. There's some real good ones in there. And yeah, if you have any other questions or need a book recommendation, I'm bsg at rebelbookclub.co.uk. Ben, thank you so much. Um, Sarah and I have purposely picked people and organisations who have inspired us um, over the last couple of years. And what you've done well, both with attachment, but specifically with Rebel Book Club, we just think is is extraordinary and we can't wait to see what you do next. So thank you so much for spending time with us today and thank you very much to listeners out there as well. Thank you, guys. No, it's a pleasure as always to see you and, and chat to you both. So I loved chatting with Ben and it's so made me realise that I need a bit of Rebel Book Club in my life. It's because I start with such good intentions and then somehow the next shiny book comes along and I don't finish. And the idea of having a book and a community to kind of help you get through that and to pull out the interesting stuff is brilliant. So um, I'm, I'm a 
I'm a convert and need to be a sign up after this, Sarah. Um, so I know you've been a you've been a member for a bit. But thinking to back to the discussion, what, what what are some of the things, what are some of the themes that struck you from talking with Ben? My kind of first key takeout is almost in response to sort of your self-reflection that you just shared, which is there's such a powerful, simple human truth at the heart of the business. It's really taps into, for me, just that fascinating dynamic of kind of communities and groups, that balance of sort of autonomy and accountability. You've got that kind of moment of you're the one who has to read the book to participate, but you still have the motivation of the crowd. You have that sense of cheerleaders and kind of people, you know, we talk a lot about paces. You have people, you know, in the work that we do, we talk a lot about paces and people that help you move forward and know and slow back. And you have you have that kind of pacer cheerleader from the community, but you also very clearly have the indicator of the behavioural nudges which push you forward. And I find that how they've just really tapped into that very simple very human element of behaviour that sort of sits at the heart of it. Yes, there's there's creative stuff that sits around it and it's brilliant and the experiences are amazing, but actually there's just something very simple at its core. And I find that we talk a lot and think a lot, as I'm sure many people listening do, about community dynamics and and how you motivate and and fans and champions and ambassadors and influence and all of these things that kind of swirl around it. But actually one of the things that just really stands out for me is just a very simple understanding of how, you know, we don't do what we say we're going to do. We all make ourselves the promise, but the book ends up on the bedside table. I find that really interesting and something very simple, but really motivating and inspiring about the Rebel Book Club story, actually. No, I agree. I agree. I I, I think your point about there's a real human insight that you can you find yourself nodding. We all start with good intentions, but actually sometimes life gets in the way, I think is absolutely right. And then I think kind of building on that, I, I wrote down um find your super fans and they'll do your marketing for you. Mm. The, the idea about um finding your super fans, you know, think about designing an experience and a community for people who are just gonna love it. And actually if they absolutely love what you're giving them, they're going to tell friends and they're going to tweet and they're going to, you know, share photos. And um, so I think I, I love the, the, the find your super fans and they'll do the marketing for you. Yeah, it's interesting. Also, then that those super fans, when, when we sort of started to unpick a little bit with Ben around brand. And actually, it's a, it's a really interesting balance that I think they've got of sort of, I think what we would call just enough founder. So those super fans have really taken it on and made it their own there's a there's a kind of almost self-moderation when you're in it Sarah you don't feel that it's being kind of controlled by the two bends no not at all I think that's part of the magic I think every everyone who kind of kickstarts a bit of chat or slightly different for me because I've actually only experienced it virtually which is I think another thing that we could reflect on but um I think it does feel like just enough found it you know that there's you know the story and you know the origin but at no point, it's sort of everyone's. And going back to your point about knowing who your super fans are, really, I mean, no surprise, really, given what they both do in terms of day jobs, that they understand kind of culture <laughs> um, and, and how kind of how culture works and how you need to kind of, you need to hold the butterfly in your hand, but not squeeze it too tight. 
there is definitely that sense of of balance. And I think that those super fans, everyone's very clear from a brand perspective, it's very clear what the what the values are, what the core is, what the rules of engagement are. But there's there's plenty of flex in it. And it feels quite simple and quite natural and organic. But actually, as we know, it's almost impossible to engineer if that's the way that you kind of that you approach it without sort of being true to it. And I find that that sense of sort of self-moderation and shared ownership, given that it is actually still relatively small and they are still very front and centre as founders, it definitely, it feels, it feels like a rare balance, to be honest. But that authenticity rings true so strongly. So, you know, when we were talking to him at the end about the commerciality and without hesitation, you know, he was like, well, we would be doing this because we absolutely love it, even if there wasn't a commercial model in it, but there is. And he, I, I, I do think you can't fake, um, you can't fake that passion and that love that he has for this thing that he's created. Yeah, it's interesting you when you sort of brought that up towards the end. And again, that's such another strength of the, business and the brand and the whole kind of piece for me is you're not setting out to kind of rinse it (laughs) to the extent that you can but there is a robust business model in it you can be passionate and committed and really love something and you know and be really authentic about it but still it's sustainable there's a commercial model at the heart of it and I know I know we talk about this a lot in our kind of in our day jobs but actually I I love the the fact that such a great example of the two things not being mutually exclusive and also doing it at at a pace where the core is protected. So this isn't this isn't a kind of scale it scale it scale it rapid rinse it like flip it mentality but they're still very honest about the fact of if there's an exit there's an exit and I I I love that about them because it just Again, it's such a good example that you don't have to... So often we have conversations, don't we, about kind of it's scale too quickly and therefore it's scale at the expense of... It, you're squeezing the butterfly too tight then, to go back to my strange metaphor. I thought it was interesting that when you when you ask that question, Ben doesn't need feel the need to go, oh no, we'll never make a penny. It's like, well, no, we will, but everyone will win. It's fair. We talk about fairness a lot, don't we? But, you know, you can be fair to your kind of community and your audience, but also for it to be sustainable. I thought that was a fascinating part of the conversation. I was interested when he talked about the opportunities that opened up with COVID. So um, Mm. obviously the geographical ones, which is, you know, ultimately it becomes a much more democratic and open platform, but also things like involving writers. You know, how, how amazing is that, that actually, you know, the author then can come into the hop in and actually take questions again in a way that, you know, might never be possible if you were doing that in real life. It adds a real layer and depth. And it's going to be interesting to see how much of the pivot is permanent, you know, when you can do more in real life. Actually, there are some brilliant things that sounds like it it makes the experience um, a richer a richer experience. You raised the point at the end about hybrid and how that will how that will work. And I think that's a really interesting thing across the piece. Because there's such a positive in so much of this with just opens you up to access and inclusion, whether that be as you, you know, you raised that example yourself of, you know, sometimes it's really difficult to do a sort of 6pm till 8.30pm 
live event in central London with the kids. You know, it's just, that's a challenge, but logging on sort of isn't. But widening that out, it also just opens up to all kinds of access and inclusion, whether that be physically, you can't get there, spaces that might be completely inaccessible. Definitely, I'm a self-convinced introvert. And, you know, if, if you experience social anxiety, but you want to participate in a community, I think the way that they're, that they're looking at continuing to kind of grow this and open it up, I think this is a potentially a really interesting example for how you can get this right. Because you know, I know they haven't figured it out yet, but you know however they tackle this will be super creative and brilliant and will have a great experience. I kind of I think maybe previously we would have sort of thought about compromise in terms of experience and, and virtual and you know it, it would one would have been the poorer sort of cousin of the other. Whereas I think now post COVID, they're certainly opening it up. And I I think it'll be interesting to see how other brands pick up on this to actually say, well, what, like you say, what are those good bits? What are the bits that have opened it up to more people? And how can we actually use that as a another kind of beautiful constraint to work out how we can do this better rather than just, we're going to set up a kind of, we're going to live stream in a corner and you can just, you, you can essentially watch other people having a live experience, which is, you know, maybe the approach before I think, um, feels like an opportunity for creativity and you know that what they do will be brilliant so it's funny I was reading something from a university an interview with a university professor and um she was saying that what she's found in the kind of year of doing sort of lockdown lectures is that she gets much more questions from women so Mm. when you're in a huge lecture hall often women don't put their hands up and they don't want to ask questions in front of hundreds of other people that yeah. when they're online question and you can ask a question in the chat, she's seeing a complete reversal of that. Um, and I think your point about the inclusivity, I think, you know, the sort of physically, you know, if you can't physically get to a place or, or again, if you have anxieties around, you know, because it can feel quite scary when you turn up at an event and you don't know anybody and you have to make small talk. I mean, that's, that, that can, you know, it's kind of nerve inducing for, 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 for a lot of people. Um, but the idea that actually when you've got a platform, um, it allows people to feel more confident in participating in the experience. And to, exactly to your point, it's not a compromise. It's it's a different kind of experience. Yeah, definitely. That's fascinating about the education piece. And all of that, again, just going back to a lot of the reflections of, without sort of wanting to sound like putting rose-tinted spectacles on things, actually do trying to sort of work out how how some of this has shifted dynamics and how we can continue to how we can keep that I think the the point about kind of participation and also how you then how you grow a community I mean we touched on that with Ben as well about you know you can go to international really quickly you can you can service that unmet need that that audience had of you know when are you coming to this city when are you coming here actually suddenly you can go everywhere and you can touch everyone and it feels like Rebel Book Club is certainly kind of having a look at how that new form of hybrid or creative experience can kind of happen now. But it's it's such an interesting opportunity to help with that access and inclusion piece on so many different levels. It's really interesting to see how, and I'm sure that they will kind of, they'll come up with some brilliant ways to tackle it, I'm sure. I think probably the final the final point is something that you and I talk about a lot, which is um, the sort of the component pieces of 21st century brands. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, we talk about purpose and we talk about community and we talk about technology. Yeah. Um, and it made me think, actually, as, as Ben was talking about, you know, brands like Peloton. And, mm. and yes, there's the experience, but 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 also there's the community. And certainly it strikes me that what Ben and, and Ben, his co-founder, have created in Rebel Book Club mm. has the real potential to be a very powerful 21st century brand. It's got all the pieces there, actually. Yeah, you're so right. And actually, there's so much from that. When you mentioned Peloton there, actually Rafa came to my mind as well, which is another example that we talk about a lot of just shared passion point, connection, brilliant human truth and insight, super simple, fair, compelling commercial model, tech-enabled, community-driven. Yes, that's right. And when, when Ben was talking about the Rebel Coffees, that mm. actually, sort of your point of connection is books, but then actually you go into so much more. Yeah, completely. Brilliant conversation, brilliant brand. Very excited to see where they take it next. Thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to StratHack with me, Sarah Holland. And me, Amelia Tarode, founders of the Formbreak Collective. To find out more, visit wearefawnbreak.com. And for more information about today's guest, everything we've discussed and how to get in touch with us about this podcast, please check out the notes that accompany this episode. 